This week's parsha is Parsha's Mishpatim. At the end of the parsha, we have a rare glimpse into what the Kisei Kaved looks like in Shamayim. And the Pasuk says, V'sachas Raglov, underneath the feet of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Kimaisa Livnas Hasapir. It's like the sapphire brick. There was a sapphire brick that's located right underneath the feet kaviyachal of the Rabbi Shalom. And Rashi explains about this brick. He This was a brick that was in front of the Rabbi Shalom during the Shibud and Mitzrayim when we were slaves in Egypt. Lizkart Sarosan Shal Yisrael to remember the Saras, the troubles, the agony that Klal Yisrael were experiencing, because we were Meshubad, we were busy with our brickwork. Because of this, HaKadosh Baruch Hu kept a brick under his feet in order to remind him of us, in order to commiserate with us, in order to empathize with our plight as we were doing this very labor-intensive brickwork in Egypt. Chazal tell us a little bit more about this brick, that Gavriel HaMalach brought this brick before the Rabbi Nishlam. Where did this brick come from? Gavriel brought it to Hashem as Klal Yisrael were walking through the Yamsuf. And there was an accusatorial angel by the name of Uzzah, who said, Why are you taking the sides of the Jews and not the Egyptians? After all, they're both idol worshippers. Klal Yisrael also did their share of idol worship in Egypt. Why are you taking their side? HaKadosh Baruch Hu then was shown the brick by Gavriel, and that pushed Klal Yisrael over the top and enabled them to go through the Yamsuf miraculously. But what is the nature of this particular brick? What was this brick? And what was its nature that enabled HaKadosh Baruch Hu to have Rachmanis on us and to come and be Matzalas? So for that you have to look in the Targum Yenis and Ben Uziel on this pasuk, the Targum Yenison says that this brick in particular actually had a miscarried fetus inside of it. What happened? There was a man who was supposed to be doing his brickwork, a Jew. His wife went and helped him, despite the fact that she was pregnant. She went and came to his assistance and helped him with this manufacturing of bricks, as she was helping him do this labor, she miscarried, the uber fell into the tit, and Gavriel went and created a brick around this uber, and that's what's sitting tachas kisei covered. And what I wanted to say was that this particular brick, with this story is so special because what are we asking HaKadosh Baruch Hu to do 
when he comes and saves us from our tsaris, which is really what the point of this brick is. HaKadosh Baruch Hu comes to save us from a shast tsara. Why? HaKadosh Baruch Hu is sitting up in the Kisya Kavid. Everything by the Rabbani Shalom is fine. Eyes v'chedva b'mkaymai, there's happiness upstairs. HaKadosh Baruch Hu does not need to leave his comfort zone. Kaviyachal. HaKadosh Baruch Hu does not need to descend to this world to save us. He's very comfortable upstairs. He could continue to be upstairs forever and ever. He's strong up there. He's content. He's happy. He's clean. He's safe. He doesn't need to come and get into the muck and the mire of saving Klal Yisrael at every single twist and turn in our journey. Why does he come? What would make HaKadosh Baruch Hu get off of his Kisei HaKavit and descend to this world to save us? And I believe that the answer is one midah. And that is when Klal Yisrael was able to be Naisei Ba'olem Chavere. Naisei Ba'olem Chavere is one of the Memches Kinyanim that the Torah is nicknessed with, one of the 48 ways of being acquired, of acquiring the Torah, which is brought in the sixth parak of Perkayavis. And it literally means that I help you out, carry your burden. I'm Naisei Ba'olem, I'm carrying Ba'ol, the oil, the burden that you have, I am going and I'm assisting you with your burden. When somebody doesn't have to personally do anything, and they go out of their way to assist another person, that is one moment that HaKadosh Baruch Hu finds so inspirational that he does the exact same thing. He also is Naisei Ba'el with us. He doesn't have to help us, but when he sees us helping one another going out of our comfort zone to go and assist somebody else in their time of need, that is what galvanizes HaKadosh Baruch Hu to go and be Matzil Klal Yisrael from his Kisya Kavid coming down here and saving us. When this wife went out of her way to go and help her husband when he was doing his brickwork, she didn't have to. She was exempt in every which way. Number one, she's a woman. Number two, she's a pregnant woman. She does not have to go and help her husband. When she went and helped her husband with the brickwork and suffered as a result of it so much that she lost her baby, HaKadosh Baruch Hu saw that that is such an amazing Jewish character trait that he felt it necessary to go from his Kisya Kavit and come and save Klal Yisrael when we needed it. That's why Al-Hayam, he saved us. That's why in Mitzrayim, he saved us. All because of the Midah of being Naisei Ba'elem Chaveray, which is exactly what HaKadosh Baruch Hu does every time he comes and saves us. It's interesting. I found exactly this. This was my Chiddush. But I found this exact Vart in a Medrash. The Medrash speaks not about this woman helping her husband, but the Medrash is talking about Meshur Abenu. Meshur Abenu, what do we know about Meshur Abenu when he was in his early stages of life? He was living in the house of Parai. Remember, Bacha Bas Parai, she saved him and she took him, she adopted him into the royal palace. He was living with central air conditioning, with the finest foods, with every possible amenity of the time, he didn't need to go out at all into the heat 
and notice that his brethren were suffering and were doing backbreaking labor. He didn't have to. He could have been very happy and safe and secure in the king's palace. The Pasuk says, Vayigdal Moshe, Moshe Rabbeinu grew up. Vayetzel Echav, he went out to his brothers in the field. Vayar and he saw their suffering. Rashi there famously says in Parsha Shemais, Nasan Eina Volibai Liais and he gave his, his eyes and his heart. He didn't just say, Ay, Nebuch, you know, these people are, are working really hard out there. He gave his eyes and his heart, he cried over them, and he helped them physically. Listen to the Lashon of the Medrash in Shemais Rabbah, Perak Aleph, Medrash Chavzayin. Shayaraya Bisivlaisa, Meshrabainu Sua, their suffering. Ubaycha, and that moved Meshra Rabbeinu to tears. Va'aymer, and he said, Chavali Aleichem, I feel terrible for you. Mi'yitain Meshra Aleichem, Halavai, I should die to protect you. She'ein l'cha melacha kasher mimleches atit, there's no harder work, there's no more menial labor than working with bricks and mortar and cement. And he put his shoulder towards Klal Yisrael's labor. And he physically helped each and every Yid. Every Yid that he saw schlepping and kneading and, and, and mixing and stirring and laying. Whatever he could do to help, he helped. This is Moshe Rabbeinu, the prince of Egypt. The last thing in the world that he needed to do was to be a bricklayer. He did not need in any which way to be a bricklayer. He could have done absolutely nothing all day and lived in the lap of luxury had he so chosen. But Moshe Rabbeinu went and he helped each yid. He cried with them. He listened to them. He commiserated with their plight. He said, I'm prepared to die for you. And he helped each yid with the levenim, with these bricks. And listen to the end of the Medrash. Amr HaKadosh Baruch HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to Moshe, Ata hinachta askecha. You left your little comfort zone. You left your business, your world in the palace. V'alachta lirais b'tzairen shal Yisrael. And you went out to look at the suffering of your brothers of Klal Yisrael. V'nahagta ba'en minagachim. And you conducted yourself with a brotherly affection, with a brotherly concern. I too, says HaKadosh Baruch Hu, will leave the El will leave the upper worlds, and the lower worlds, I will leave all of them, my comfort zone. I will speak to you, I will deal with you personally. I think this is exactly the insight that we just said, that in order for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to respond to be a first responder when Klal Yisrael needs it, to leave his place, his mother, Belyainim, to leave the Kisei HaKavid where it's so comfortable, it's so beautiful, it's so full of light and glory and, and happiness. And for him to come down to planet Earth, to Mitzrayim, to the Shebud, and save us, there's one thing that does that. When he sees that we are being Naisei Ba'elam Chaveirei, 
when we are leaving our personal comfort zone, when everything is fine by us, and we decide to feel and commiserate for our less fortunate brethren, that's when HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, if they could do that, then I could do that as well. There's a famous story that's told about Rabbi Elyachayim Meisels, who was the Rav in the city of Lodz. Lodz was a very large, prominent Jewish community before the war. And Rabbi Elyachayim was known, first of all, to be a very big Talmud Chacham, but also to be a very, have a great heart. And he went out of his way to raise money for Aniyim and Yisayimim and Almanis, widows, orphans. He was peerless in the in the concern that he had for others. And one time he went to raise money in, the, in a cold winter to have firewood, firewood for Aniyim, for poor people and for the Bnei Yeshiva that needed it. It was so cold. And he went to a very wealthy man's mansion in, the, you know, in, a, in one of the streets of Lodge, but a beautiful, large, palatial estate that this man had and Rebel Yechayim goes and he knocks on the door and it's freezing, freezing cold. And the butler opens up the door for Rabbi Meisel and says, Oh, Rabbi, how are you? Welcome to our home. Come on in. He says, I can't come in. He says, Why not? He says, My shoes are full of mud. And I see that you have a nice white carpet and floor and rugs. I don't want to ruin your rugs. Please tell Mr. Cohn uh, that I'm waiting for him outside. I need to speak to him. Okay, the butler goes and tells Mr. Cohn, who is sitting by his uh, living room, by a crackling fireplace, nice and toasty, um, you know, the rabbi of Lodge is here to see you. He says, the rabbi of Lodge is, well, tell him to come in. He says, well, actually, he doesn't want to track dirt in the floor, and he wants you to come out and speak to him outside in the, in the front porch. He says, it's freezing out there. I don't want to go out there. Tell him to come in. He said, well, he doesn't want it. He says, tell him he could track all the dirt he wants in my floor. I don't care. I'm not coming outside. So he comes back. He says, please, Rabbi, you know, he says it's fine to track dirt in the house. Please come in. He says, no, I have to speak to him outside. He says, back and forth and back. And finally, Mr. Cohn, you know, comes outside in his uh, smoking jacket. And um, he says, Rabbi, come on in. You know, what do I do? What do I owe the, the honor to have you come to visit me in my home? He says, just, you know, stand outside here with me a few minutes. Let me tell you what I'm collecting for. He says, please, Rabbi, it's freezing cold. Just come on in. We'll talk about it inside. It's warm in there. He says, no. He says, you have to stand with me outside here for a few minutes. He says, I'm collecting money for firewood for Aniyim. There are many poor people in the city of Lodge and there's a big yeshiva here and they're freezing cold every single day and every single night. They can't afford the wood to put in the furnaces, to put in the, in the, in the fireplaces and I need you to help me. He says, Rabbi, whatever it costs, I will give you a blank check. You just do whatever you want with it. And, but now can you come into the house because I'm really getting frostbitten. So he comes in the house and says, Rabbi, why did you make me come outside? He says, because as long as you're inside, in your comfort zone, where it's nice and warm, you will never be able to fully appreciate the plight of the anim that are cold. The only way that I could really get you to understand what they're going through and what this absolute emergency appeal is for is if you come out for a few minutes and feel what they're going through. 
And now you could write out a check properly. Because that's the way it is with Naisei Baalim Chavera. If you're staying in your Dalad Amis, if you're standing in your little world and you're comfortable and you have everything that you need and you are putting on your blinders as far as the needs of the outside world, the people on the outside of the house, you will never be able to really be Naisei Baalim Chavera. And if you're not able to be nice to Chaver, besides for depriving yourself of this great opportunity of chesed, you're also not allowing the Rabbeinu Shalom Kaviyachal to come and save Klal Yisrael when they need it. Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu comes out of his comfort zone into our area to save us only when he sees that we have that same capacity to leave our little safe world and to exit that world to come and help in the needs of others that are not as fortunate as we are. I think we find the same insight by Esther Amalka. Purim is coming up. Esther Amalka, Mardachai says something to her that's very, very stark. It's very direct. He says to her, Al tidami binafshech. Don't think for yourself. Don't imagine for a minute that you are safe in the palace, you're the queen, you have a beautiful palace, you, the king loves you, he's never going to hurt you, you might be Jewish, but you're safe. Don't think that way. Because if you're quiet at this moment in time, will be saved, but not through you. You will go down in history as being somebody who failed their people. What was Mordechai telling her? Mordechai was telling her that you have to be nice Ba'alam Chaveri. You have to be able to leave the palace like Meish Rabbeinu left his palace and to go and help the unfortunate, even if it's risking your own safety, your own security, your own comfort, your own warmth, your own resources. It doesn't matter. If you stay in that little cocoon and pretend that everything is wonderful out there and ignore the plight of others, then HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to destroy Klal Yisrael. He will not come to our rescue. You know when the entire story of Purim turned? You know when the entire narrative begins to go in our favor and to save Klal Yisrael against the plot of Haman? Only at this moment in time. When Esther says, okay, I get it. Sumo alai, go fast for me. Gamanim and I came. Well, I'm also going to fast. And we're going to go, and I'm going to go to the king, and I'm going to beg on your behalf. At that moment in time, HaKadosh Baruch Hu left his Hester upon him, his world of being hidden from Klal Yisrael. And he came out and helped us. But only once Esther was able to leave her palace and to be nice and chadera, that's how HaKadosh Baruch Hu was able to activate the Yeshua. Yeshuas are only begun in earnest when we show that we are here to save others as well. There's a Gemara in Tainus on the Fidal from an Aleph. Bizman Shat Sibor Shari Bitzar. When the community is in a state of Tsar, for living in times that there is poverty, times that there is famine, 
times that there's sickness in the streets and we live in our little homes and everything is fine. And a person says, Al Yaimar Adam a person should not say, I'm gonna go home. I have a refrigerator full of food and drink. It's true that everybody around me is suffering, everybody is starving, there's no food to be had. But I have in my home, so I'll go home, I'll eat and drink. And my soul is at peace. Everything is fine by me, Baruch Hashem, I'm doing well. Everybody else is suffering, but, you know, I'm sorry, I'll daven for them, but I, I can't help them. I want to just help myself. That's a terrible thing. But if you are mitzar yourself with a tzibor, if you go and you put yourself in their matzav and you help them and you leave the comfort of your home and you share your food and drink with them and you share your lodgings with them, then you will see the tzibor have a Yeshua. They will have a nechama. They will get back again to be in the right place. And I think the pshat is, again, because why am I zeicheh to see Nechamas Tzibor? Because I was the one that helped them when they were a bitzar. And when HaKadosh Baruch Hu comes and helps them, that's because of me. If HaKadosh Baruch Hu is pale a Yeshua for Klal Yisrael, it's because of the individuals who they themselves understood that it was important for them to save Klal Yisrael to leave their own homes, to leave their own kiseh covet, as it were, to leave their al-yainim and to come to the tachayinim, to, to the world outside of their homes and save people. I was thinking that perhaps this is the reason why the Libnas HaSapir is the symbol of Naisei Ba'alim Chaveroi. Why is it the Libnas HaSapir? Couldn't there be, maybe it should have just been the Uber, Maybe just that fetus would have been a better icon, that, that fetus that died in that Livnas HaSapir. Why do we need a Livnas HaSapir? Why does it have to be a, a brick? And I think the pshat may be, what is a brick? A brick is something that is a wall of a house. person builds a house, they build a brick wall on all sides of the house. Now, part of the brick is on the outside. The other side of the brick is on the inside. It could have been the opposite. It could have been that the brick that the part of the brick that was on the outside was on the inside, and the part that was on the inside could have just easily been flipped over on the outside. If you're living on the inside of the house, safe and secure, and you're ignoring the fact that there is the other part of the brick on the outside of the house, that has to endure all the snow and the cold and the heat and the... And you're forgetting, oh, well, I'm on the inside. What are you, you're on the inside? You're one brick. You think that you're safe and secure on the inside? You're the same brick as on the outside. It's one cheft of a brick. You happen to have lucked out because you were placed on the inside of the house. And the other side is on the outside of the house. You're warm and the outside is cold. It could have been the exact opposite. If you feel for Klal Yisrael then you have to understand I'm one brick. I'm not, it's not like a separate entity. Now I'm on the inside, I could easily be on the outside. The people on the outside could easily be on the inside. And it's my job not to forget that and to understand that I'm on the inside, but my brother is on the outside. 
and I have to go and understand that we're one. I can't be parish menat sibor. We're one sibor. HaKadosh Baruch Hu happened to have made me fortunate. He gave me money. He gave me shelter. But there, but for the grace of God, go I. I could have easily been on the outside. That's the Libnas HaSapir. HaKadosh Baruch Hu sees that we get this Yisaid. That we understand that we have to help the people on the outside part of the brick. That's suffering. That's exposed to the elements. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, if they get that, then I'm going to go down and I'm going to leave my inside and go outside of my comfort zone and help them. That's what's Pael Yeshuas and Klai Yisrael. This Midah of Neisei Ba'elam Chaveir is perhaps the most powerful way of creating Yeshuas and Nechamas for Klai Yisrael. And it's interesting. The Gemara there in Tainus ends, V'shema Yaimer Adam Mi Meidbi. Let's say I do live like that man in Lodge. I live in a beautiful mansion, I'm eating well, I'm drinking well, and I'm oblivious to the people around me. I lock my door and I'm enjoying my life and I say, Shalom Alayich Mafshi. Who's going to be made on, against me? Who's going to tell on me? Who, who knows? You have video cameras in my house? The Gemara says, yes. The Avne Beisai Shal Adam. The bricks in the house are going to be made on you. What does it mean, the bricks in the house? Why, why the bricks? Why not the, the furniture? Why not the sofa? Why not the, the paintings in my house? Why is it specifically the bricks that are going to be made? Because the bricks is really the aside that you're missing. You don't understand when you see the bricks in your house that on the other side of the brick is, it's the same brick, but it's unfortunately on the outside. It's taking a lot of the rain and a lot of the, a lot of the elements for you, but it's, it's the same brick. It's the Abne Besa. You think that the inside you're safe and secure? That very brick is suffering on the outside. A yid is you. You're the yid. You have to understand that when you see people that are suffering, you are one and the same. You just happen to be on the inside of the house and not on the outside. But it could just as easily be the opposite. And you should feel that it's the opposite. You should feel sometimes that I want to experience what it's like to be on the outside. Because I have to feel that way. When you see, let's say, last night I was at a chasna, a friend of mine made a chasna for his daughter, and there are aniyim that were walking around and collecting money at the table. It's, it's, it's a nuisance. You know, you're sitting at a chasna, you want to enjoy, you, want, you don't want to have a, a, a wad of bills stuck in your face every two minutes. And we have a tendency sometimes to look at aniyim as if they are like, not like everybody else. You know, there's everybody else. They were invited to the chas. Then there are neem that are just these, you know, they're, they're annoying, you know, and, and the Baal Simcha doesn't like it. And these are human beings. These are our brethren. These are people who need money. They're not going around because they enjoy the, the hunt of, of making money from people at chas. They need money. They have real needs. These are human beings. They're, what makes you think that you're different than them? You're a Yid and they're a Yid. You're Shemesh Shabbos, they're Shemesh Shabbos. You have a family, they have a family. You put on tefillin in the morning, they put on tefillin. What's the difference between you and them? The difference is that you happen to have been lucky enough to be the brick, the part of the brick that's on the inside of the house. They're, on, they're the brick that was on the outside of the house, that side of the brick. But you're one brick. If you think that Shalom Aleich Nafshi, that I'm fine, I'm good, I, you know, I, don't, I, could, I, I have the ability to be, 
you know, to be very judgmental about these people, then you're missing the whole point. Klal Yisrael needs to be nice about him, if we want the Rabbi Yisrael to be nice about him with us, to say, to say, that whenever they have a problem, it's my problem, we have to feel that about our fellow Jews as well. We have to say, if my fellow Jew is not eating properly, then that's my responsibility. If my fellow Jew does not have a, a place to, uh, to sleep tonight, then I can't have a place to sleep tonight. How many of us think that way? We think, well, no, Baruch Hashem, I have a bed, I have a this, I have a that, I'm fine, clothing, coat, food. Reb Chaim Brisker, the great Brisker Rav, the great Rav of Brisk, there was a fire in the city of Brisk. His house did not burn down, Baruch Hashem, but many people did, many people were homeless. And Reb Chaim, until the last person in Brisk was put in a bed, it took weeks, maybe months, until they were relocated, until they found shelter for them, he was not able to sleep in his own bed. He never slept in his own bed until the last Yid in Brisk found a bed to sleep in. He said, how can I sleep in a bed when my fellow Jews are, my, my community, my constituents, my, my, my kehillah, they're not sleeping in a bed. I should sleep in a bed? Because he understood the Livna Sasapir. He understood that we're one brick. I'm in the inside, they're on the outside. I want to be on the outside. I'm leaving the inside. I'm going to commiserate, I'm more than commiserate, I'm going to be you. I'm going to literally help you with your load. What you're going through is now my problem. I don't want to say, that I'm safe and secure and you fend for yourself. So many times, you know, you hear people, Balabatisha, talk in shuls about, you know, people come in and, you know, they're collecting money. Now, you don't want to give money, don't give money, it's fine. You don't want to, you don't have money, you don't want to give money, okay, it's a different schmooze. But don't put these people down. Many times you hear, I don't know if you have, maybe I'm davening the wrong shul when I'm not here, but many times I hear, you know, Balabatim saying to these people, get a job! You're young, you're able-bodied. What are you doing going around schnarring? What do you get? You don't want to give the guy money. Don't, why do you have to be a him? Because you think that he's subhuman? You think because he's going around asking, so he's not you, he's not a yid? He's a yid. He's probably a yid more than you are. He suffers the rabbi Shalom, his ayyib You have to realize that these people are you and me. They're hidden. They're, they're part of us. And you have to go out of your way. You have to leave your comfort zone to help them in any way possible. Sometimes it's very hard. Sometimes we don't have the wherewithal to help. But you have to feel that I wish I could help you. I wish I could solve your problems. I wish I could take care of your refua needs, your Yeshua needs, your Parnassah needs, your food, your, your Shidduch, whatever it is that you need. I wish I could help you. Let me try. Let me go on the outside of the brick and feel for you there. Because as long as I'm on the inside, I feel like I'm in a, I, I'm in, I, I lull myself into a false sense of security and safety, and it doesn't really wash well with the Rabbi Nishlam. The Rabbi Nishlam says, really? You're like that? You're, you're, you're ignoring their plight? I'm going to ignore Klai plight. Let's see how you like them apples. And that's the way that it works. It's so simple and obvious. The Midah Kenegad Midah, the entire Yeshua in Mitzrayim came out 
as a result of the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu went out of his palace and helped Klai Yisrael. Because that woman went out of her home, pregnant, to help her husband with the tit, with the, with the chaymer, with the levenim, and because of that, HaKadosh Baruch Hu came and was matzal them alayam. Esther was the salvation of Klai Yisrael because she left her palace to help Klai Yisrael, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu left his palace to help Klai Yisrael. Whenever we're able to go out of our comfort zone to help others, that is what activates HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Geula and Yeshua. We could daven ten times a day about bringing Mashiach, but we cannot really bring him unless we're acting in that way. If we're going and, and, and being other people's Mashiach, then HaKadosh Baruch Hu will bring Mashiach. If we're not, it's not going to happen. The original Rebbe was one of the great Hasidic masters, and he had a shita in Hasidus. He felt that a Hasidic Rebbe should live like a king, with great opulence. He felt that Hasidic Rebbes are royalty, which they are. And so royalty has to dress in a regal way, so he, wear, he wore like a beautiful fur with silk, Sometimes you see pictures of rabbis like with beautiful, you know, shaymal and like uh, like white, uh, a white uh, lavush with fur all over it. You say, like, what's, what's going on? What, what's he wearing that for? This is all from the Rizhina. The Rizhina gave Klal Yisrael this musag that a rebbe has to be royalty. He built himself a palace, literally a palace, with all of the trappings of, of great monarchs a beautiful, like, uh, a beautiful architecture and, and silver and gold utensils. He lived like a king so much, in fact, that the czar chased him out of the country because he felt that he was competing with him. You can't live like a king like that. I'm supposed to be living like a king. You're living better than I. Get out. He went to a neighboring country in the city of Sadiger, Sadiger Hasidim are also in that line. His son became, it was the Rebbe of Sadiger. That also is an extension of Rizhin, and there are many other offshoots of this Hasidus. I was able to hold in my hands the, the crown that the Rizhin Rebbe commissioned to make for his own private Sefer Torah. It's a crown like this big, solid gold, diamond, a huge diamond on top with a spring that like shakes every time it moves, rubies, Emeralds, the most beautiful crown that you've ever seen. It's in, it's in Great Jewish Treasures, I bring it. But I, I visited the person who owns it. He was Nifter in the meantime. Um, and it's in Manhattan today. It's worth, I don't know, 10, 20, 30 million dollars maybe, this crown. Now, the Rizhina Rebbe was once, um, he wore, beyond, besides for all of the other Malbush that he wore that was so opulent, he had golden boots. It doesn't sound too comfortable to have boots made out of gold. But that's what he had. He had boots that were solid gold, if you can imagine. And one time, he was saying Kiddush Levanu. It was a freezing cold night, and there was ice on the streets that they were standing, that his, all of his chassidim and him. And then when the Rebbe went inside the house, after standing in place to say Kiddush Levanu, they noticed that there was blood on the ground. There was blood on the ice where the Rizhna Rebbe was standing for that extended period of time. And they said, it's very strange. 
Why should there be blood where the Rebbe was standing? And then they realized that those boots, those golden boots, were only the top part of the boots that's visible to the eye. But he did not have soles on the bottom of those boots because he understood that his chassidim were so poor and he wanted to share in their plight. He wanted to be ima neichi b'tzara, but he had, he had, so it was a, a stira. On one hand, he needed to dress like a king because of the, the, the rebbe shaft that he was. He was, he was a great rebbe. But on the other hand, he had to be neisivarum so he had a solution. I won't put soles on the bottom of my feet so that my feet are mamish touching the ice directly, and when I move, I, his feet started bleeding. That's what the Rabbani Shalom does. The Rabbani Shalom has a kisya cover. The Rabbani Shalom is kvayde malaritz kvayde. But the Rabbani Shalom feels our tzara every single time that we have a tzara. Kadosh Baruch Hu commiserates with us. You know why? Because we have that same exact midah that we are able to, despite our opulence, and we all also live quite opulently. I'm sure the original Rebbe Beshaita did not live as well as we do today. We have indoor plumbing, we have indoor heating, we have showers, we have baths, we have whatever we want. You don't, the, 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 the person in yeshiva that lives in the worst way lives better than people 200 years ago in the best situation. And that's a bracha that the Rabbi Shalom gave us. So we should all understand that we're all living in relative opulence. And we have to leave that opulence a little bit to give our heart to people that need it, to commiserate with those people that are on the outside of the house. We're the part of the brick that was zeichet to be on the inside, but we're one brick. And appreciate the bricks that are on the outside. That side of the brick that's taking all of that cold and the heat and the rain and the sleet and the snow, all of the extremity, all of that has to be appreciated by us and understood that we could have easily been on the outside also. And we have to go and share their plight because they're us. I think Hatzalah is a great example of people that are nice about I'm a huge fan of Hatzalah. I never joined Hatzalah, but I think, you know, and I'm not saying Hatzalah is for everybody, and it involves a lot of time, and perhaps for Bnei Taira, Bnei Yeshiva, it's perhaps better when you're young to sit and learn. That's a different discussion. But let's just take Hatzalah as a, as a, as a Klal Yisrael Dika concept. How people in Hatzalah, they're sitting, imagine tonight, you have a nice home, you're sitting and eating your hot soup with your Kneid Loch in it, and then you have your chick, all of a sudden you get Hatzalah call. And your kids are sitting around the table, your wife is sitting there, and, you know, beautiful tablecloth, flowers on the table, you sing zmiras and challah and dips and everything, all you get out solical. What do they do? They drop everything. They throw on a coat, get their car keys, jump in a car, Friday night, freezing cold, to some stranger's house. They don't even know if the guy's Jewish or not. They don't know what the story is. And then they help him, they work on him or her, then they have to go to the hospital very often and sit, get the person admitted, sit with them until an attending doctor takes over. It's a whole night. They come home 3, 4 o'clock in the morning sometimes. 
They do this on Pesach, on Shavuos, on Sukkot, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. We can go around the year. Chasnas, Bar Mitzvahs, whatever it is, they are there. They leave the comfort of their own Daladamas to go and help another Yid. The Yeshua that they provide to Klai Yisrael is enormous, but the Yeshua that we're not aware of is even more enormous. Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu sees this and takes pity on us and He also comes to save us. I want to just share with you an element of Neisabayim Chaveira that I think isn't spoken about enough. And it's something that you should remember in a year or two or three from now. And because I hear it a lot, a lot of times what happens is that people get married. You go, you date, you get married, and then once you get married, and this is true for boys and it's true for girls, and I hear this so many times as like complaints that people that are single have against their old friends. You get married, you know how hard it is to find a guy or a girl. And you know what a pain Shidochim is and dealing with Shadchanim and dealing with parents and dealing with references. It's, it's, it's a really annoying experience and it's really difficult and you can't control it. That's the problem with Shidochim. You know, it's, it's something that seems to be so out of your control. Everything else in life until now, you want to do well in school, so study a little harder. You want to, um, you know, get into a graduate school. Okay, I'm going to do whatever I can to get into a graduate school. You could do it. I'm, I'm in control. But when it comes to Shidduchim, all of a sudden it's something that it takes two to tango. I, I can't force a person to marry me. I can't force people to, to give me, you know, to, to suggest names for me. Can't. So I really need, I need help. Okay, so when a person gets married, and now they're fine, they're on the inside of the bricks. They're inside, they're married, they're having mishpacha, and they're, you know, everything is fine. Shalom Aleich Nafshi. But then you forget about your friends who are still single. And you have a wife that you could talk to and try to cross-pollinate ideas you know, what about her, and what about for him, and what about him for her? But you forget about that because, you know, you're busy now with your own, with your own life. You're married. You don't remember anymore about the world of Shidduchim and how difficult it was. So you're just like, that's a terrible thing. means, okay, now Baruch Hashem, the Rabbi Hashem got me married. Now I have to reach out and try to get other people married. With Parnassah, it's very hard for people to find jobs. Finally, I find myself a good job, and there are openings in my firm, if I'm an accountant, if I'm a lawyer, if I'm a a dentist, a doctor, an engineer, and I could get other people jobs. Help other people. Don't forget about them just because now you're okay, you have a job, so shalom aleich nafshi. If you have the wherewithal to help other people, then you must. When you're on the inside, then you have to reach to the outside and pull other people in. Don't shut the door on them. These are, I think, very, very real examples of how a person could live this shmuz. Of being nice, that when you have 
relative safety and security, do not forget about the people that are still unsafe out there. That's our moral responsibility. And when we do that, then the Rabbeinu Shalom is able to be pile Yeshua. So I'll end with a story. Once upon a time, there was a Yid who went to the Baal Shem Tev, Hasidish Yid, and he says, Rebbe, he says, I want to see Eliyahu Hanavi. I want Gilu Eliyahu. Gilu Eliyahu is something that we know Gedalim, Tzadikim, and every generation has. Gilu Eliyahu. In fact, I shook the hand of somebody who had Gilu Eliyahu. There's a story with Rav Schwab, and Rav Schwab was sitting by the Chavetz Chaim, and the Chavetz Chaim had a whole waiting room full of people waiting to speak to him. And the story goes that he, um, all of a sudden there was like an old man with a white beard that walks through the waiting room of the Chavetz Chaim, cuts everybody. He goes straight into the room of the Chavetz Chaim. And then like 20, 30 minutes later, the Chavetz Chaim walks him out the door and then goes back to the room. And then when Rav Schwab came to, when it was his turn to speak to the Chavetz Chaim, I'm not sure if it's Rav Shimon Schwab or Mardachai Schwab, or maybe both, but whichever Rav Schwab it was, they're brothers. They said, could I ask the Rebbe, who is that tzaddik that cut the line and that you were malava out? And the Chavetz Chaim looks incredulously at this young Bachar. He says, you saw him? And then he realized of Schwab that this was none other than Eliyahu Navi. Eliyahu Navi, we know, goes to Tzadikim and Gedalim of every generation. Every generation. Adayim, Eliyahu Navi is still alive. Pinchas, Eliyahu, Leimais. This Chassid wanted to see Eliyahu Navi. So, the Baal Shem Tev says, no problem. You want to see Eliyahu Navi? Here's what you do. He says, you're going to go this Shabbos, Arab Shabbos, you're going to go in, in this way, 10 miles deep in the Russian forest, you're going to make a left turn and a certain milestone and then a right turn, and there's going to be a little hut, a broken, really bad condition hut. And you're going to knock on the door, you're going to spend Shabbos there, and in that home, you'll find Eliyahu Navi. Okay? Hashem says this, I'm going to do it. So he sets out of Shabbos early in the morning, because it was an early Shabbos in the middle of the winter. He goes, maybe it's an hour before Shabbos, and he knocks on this door, and he's waiting to see Eliyahu Navi. And instead, he almost fainted when he saw what was going on in this house. There was, the wife opens the door, a poor, poorest of the poor, wearing shmatis. And her husband was like sitting depressed by the table. There was no food for Shabbos. The kids were running around also in, in, in tattered shmatis, without shoes, without socks. The poorest of the poor. And he says, I must, have had, I, I must have gotten the wrong address. This is not where Eliyahu Navi is living. 
Anyway, it's too late. It's close to Shabbos. He can't turn around. He says to this woman, he says, listen, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm here. Would it be okay if I stay for Shabbos in your home? She says, listen, we love Achnas Asarachim, but we have absolutely no food ourselves to give ourselves and our children. We can give you a, you could sleep on the floor if you want, but there's no food in the house. So if you're expecting to be fed, I'm sorry, we can't. So he says, let me ask you a question. Is there any, like, makolet that I could go and, and buy some food before Shabbos? He, she said, yeah, there's, I don't know if he's still open. You go down the block, a couple of blocks to the right, to the left, and there's a, there's a grocery store that has kosher food there. So he runs, and he buys up the entire store. Everything that, whatever cholent was left, whatever kogel was left, whatever Laffy Taffy's, anything that he could find there, obviously, way before the, the age of Laffy Taffy's, but any food, any nash that he could find in that store, wine and grape juice, and uh, he bought. And he brings home like tons of bags to this home. And he puts them on the table, and the kids, like their eyes started lighting up. All of a sudden, you know, the way children's eyes should be, that's, but they were dull and they were dim and they were black. Now all of a sudden, the light started flickering in their eyes again. They see food. And the, fa- the husband who was sitting depressed, all of a sudden he starts like, you know, having tchiyasamesim. And the wife is like blown away. She says, Baruch Hashem, we have food for Shabbos. They had such a gorgeous Shabbos. She sat at the table and they had chalas and they had wine and they had fish and they had soup and they had chicken and they had dessert. And they sang zmiras and they said, they never experienced a Shabbos like this ever. And the next day again, they went to shul and they came back happy and the kids were dancing and singing. And they had such a beautiful Shabbos. And Matzai Shabbos, he bids them farewell and they thank him. And he heads back to a city and he goes back to the Baal Shem. And the Baal Shem says to him, No, did you see Eliyahu Navi? He said, no, Rebbe, in fact, I have Tainus. I went all the way there. I found these poor people. He tells them the whole story. So Baal Shem says, okay, this Shabbos, I want you to go back again. He says, if you go back again this Shabbos, then you'll find Eliyahu Navi. He says, Rebbe, come on, I, I can't do that again. He says, if you want it, you said you want to see Eliyahu, you don't want to see Eliyahu, don't go back. But if you want to see Eliyahu Navi, go back again this coming Shabbos. So this Shabbos, he already was prepared beforehand, and he went to Seasons, and he bought Mamish, all the best of the best, and he, you know, seven layer everything that he could, and he brought it, he schlepped it to this family, and it was again right before Shabbos, and he was about to knock on the door again, but there, the door was a little open, and he was able to hear a conversation the children were crying to their mother. And they said, Mama, are we going to get food again this Shabbos, like last Shabbos? Is that special man going to come again and bring us food again? And the mother looks down at her children and says, Kinderach, she says, you think you're going to be Zeicha, Taliyah, Navi every single Shabbos? You have to work, you have to daven for that. And all of a sudden, this man chapped what the Baal Shem means. 
We're waiting for Eliyah and Navi to come and save Klal Yisrael, to come be Mavasar the Mashiach. We are Eliyah and Navi. We have to look in the mirror and look at ourselves as we are Eliyah and Navi. We have to go and save other people. We have to go and see other people's sad. We have to fill the gaps in Klal Yisrael. If it's in Parnassah, if it's in Shidochem, if it's in Refuis, there are so many needs. People are desperate out there. People are, are chalishing to have what we have. What we take for granted and we complain about, people would die for that. There are people that don't have a roof over their head. There's a woman that I meet on, on Main Street and I, I wish I could do something for her more than I, more than I can, but like, she doesn't have a roof to sleep. From lady, maybe you bumped into her also. She's by a man's house and he's not nice to her and whatever. She's, she's getting evicted. She needs a place to stay. She has no food. She was standing outside of Kesser Tyra the other day. And, you know, I gave her some money and she's, you know, talking to me about her tsar and I'm freezing. I felt like that guy in, you know, in Ludge. I'm like, I just want to go Davin Meyerov in Kesser Tyra because it's a little warm in there. And she, but she's on the street the whole day. She's standing mamish from morning to night. If you go today on Arab Shabbos on Main Street, on the Main Strip on Main Street, you'll see her. I don't know what to do. I mean, she, she needs a job. She needs, uh, she needs a place to live. She, needs, she, needs, she wants to be a nanny by somebody's house, and it's hard for her because she doesn't have references. It's, it's difficult. I don't know what the answer is. But there are people that literally do not have a roof over their head in this community. There are people that don't have, they open up a refrigerator and there's no food in the refrigerator. We have Baruch Hashem Bakomikokal. We go upstairs Friday night, Shabbos morning. You know, there's more cholent. You know, if we would buy one tin of cholent, that would probably suffice for the whole yeshiva. Everybody gets their own tin of cholent. Literally. We have enough cholent upstairs to feed 500 people and then some. We have soda and we have cake and we have chicken. Everything goes in the garbage. We take, we're so spoiled, not in a bad way, but we, we're so inside of our little home, we don't realize what's going on a few feet away from us. There are people that mamish are looking towards us to be their Eliyahu Navi in one form or another. Sometimes you could do it by writing a check, by giving a few dollars, by actually going and, and, and helping them physically, by make, being metapple to try to find them work, to find, to find them a job, to find them a place to stay. There is never an end to the needs of Kal Yisrael. Amcha Yisrael, Tzarcha Yisrael Merubim, the Gemara says, the Tzfilah says. There are so many needs of Kal Yisrael, and there are so many people that came to help those needs. There are so many Gemachs, there are so many organizations, soup kitchens, maspia, and Hatzalah, and Chaverim, and uh, the list goes on and on. What are we doing? There are people doing a lot of work. What are we doing? We have to be Eliyahu Navis ourselves. And once we are acting like Eliyahu Navi, coming and saving other people, then HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to send Eliyahu Navi to us, to be Mavasar us at the Gulas here. Once we're able to be nice Bailam Khadir, we leave our comfort zone and help others, then and only then will Akrishfar who go from his comfort zone, from his Kisya covered with a Livna Sasapir, 
underneath his feet and say, now, hine gula ba. Now's the time for the gula because I see how dedicated they are to helping others find Yeshua. I am going to come and give them Yeshua. Halavai, we should be zeichet to hear these words, myself included. These are very difficult things to hear. It's difficult to digest. We don't like you know, thinking about these things. It makes us uncomfortable, but it's the reality of our world. It's the reality of life that we're lucky, but there are many people that are unlucky, and our job in life is to try to spread that luck to as many people as we can, to help them in any which way possible, small or big. And the second that we do that, we will find that we have steigt, we have changed, and HaKadosh Baruch will come and be mevaser taiv, matzmiach Yeshua is mitzah Hashem, b'karev, b'yameinah.